Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Hey there. I want you to know if you're struggling in your career or in a certain work situation or personal situation, you don't have to go on that way. I'm here to help you. Go on over to my website, maryleegannon.com, and you will see all kinds of free tools and information there, a career plan, a checklist, a mini course, all types of things that will show you how to get back to you at your best. And there's information there on working with me, because I'm quite certain that you don't need one more thing to be more effective or happier. You don't need another course or another book or another degree or another mentor, advocate, or sponsor. We need to get out of the way all of the smoke and mirrors that are shadowing you from who you are when you don't carry around all of that doubt that is hovering over you coming through and shining with the presence, with the value, with the persona that is noticed and respected, revered, and paid within your organization. So head on over to my website, pick up any of the free information that is there. If you want to talk to me, click on a consultation with me, and I'm happy to get on the phone with you and see if there's something that I can do to help you. Either way, I'm here for you because success is freedom, not more hours. Hi there, leader, and welcome to episode 89 of the Still Space podcast, how a year in review of your career in life helps you change course part two. This is a continuation of the conversation from last week. You can pick it up fresh here. You don't need to have listened to the previous podcast to be able to understand what we're talking about today. I'm asking you questions that are going to help you reflect on your past year, no matter what time of the year you're listening to this. This can be applied and questions that are opening the door to a new way to position yourself for what you want in the coming year. Question number seven, what have you found most fulfilling and most frustrating over the last 12 months? What was fun for you? What did you laugh a lot doing? What could you have done for hours and hours and not stopped? That's what's fulfilling. That's what's charging you. That's an energy base for you. Do more of that. What was most fun, most fulfilling? What gave you the most gratification? Was it something at work? Was it within a relationship? 
And then what was most frustrating? Admit that. And how did you show up in that frustration? Did you meet it with grace? Did you meet it with conflict? Did you maybe exhibit behavior that wasn't you at your best? Are you pretty proud of that? That Did that end up under the question, I'm really proud of myself? I'm giving you my anecdotal answers to these questions just to help you see what answers to these questions could look like to help you create those answers for yourself. So what was most fulfilling for me last year? In my profession, I created an endowment for patients in crisis. And I had to really articulate why that was necessary. Uh, We're raising $3 million for that endowment and what point that would make and, and how that was important. And it was a challenge because it's a lot of money. And um, the board at first wasn't understanding what it was for. And when I was able to articulate and break it down and demonstrate what would happen if we don't do this, everybody was able to get their arms around it. And now that's moving forward and very successful. So I'm very fulfilled knowing that at the hospital, our under-resourced patients, no matter what direction the foundation goes in, there will always be money in this endowment and the earnings on that endowment are going to always be there in perpetuity to serve our patients who can't afford their medicine, who can't get a ride to their chemotherapy and other things that they need, a stair glide in their home to keep them in their home and not a nursing home. These people will be able to have what they need. That was very fulfilling for me in my coaching business. In the month of December, I had the most successful month in my entire career of coaching people flooding to me, wanting me to coach them. And so that in my coaching profession, December, the month that I went back to my core authentic message about coaching and how I deliver that and what that looks like, Um, It was the most successful month of my coaching career. So, but then when I have to look at what was most frustrating, I had a couple of interactions with people in my profession that were difficult, very difficult. And, you know, when you work in a nonprofit and you're altruistic, you think everybody's altruistic. And then you realize not everybody is altruistic. And you have to be able to rationalize so that you can deal with these people without getting emotional because they're very emotional. So um, uh, it was frustrating for me. I don't like to be around people who have personal agendas and are not on the same page of we're all trying to help people here. And so I had a couple of interactions where that was not the case. And I had to put my own dislike for that aside so that I could get back to my discernment strength that I talked about earlier and craft arguments and get those arguments on paper and the statistics to back them up so that the discussion became very much personal agenda against no data to support that personal agenda. And that was very gratifying to me. It's probably up there with what are you most proud of is that I was able to hold it together, 
put my personal feelings and emotions aside, keep my executive presence, and use my discernment skills to have these conversations that ended up closing with no action because that's the way they should have uh, because they weren't appropriate. So think about what was most fulfilling and what was most frustrating for the single reason of showing yourself how you use how you reflect and act on those feelings and those situations to help bring that forward in the future. How do you deal with frustration and what did you do to find fulfillment? Question eight, when do you think you've been at your best this year? Not who helped you be at your best, but when? For me, that's very clear. I am at my best when I can observe a situation that might trap me in fight, flight, or freeze from a third-party perspective, a mindful still space like a fly on the wall. I could give you dozens of examples. I do this very well now because I practice it. 15 years ago, not the case. That's why I coach around it. When you're too much stuck in your emotions and your assumptions, expectations, and thoughts, you don't do this. But now I'm very much able to observe the situation, but I know to get there, the zone I have to be in. And my zone of genius is three deep breaths. I've got this. Three deep breaths. I've got this. And then I have a number of practices that I go over with my clients. I think one of the best ones is a humor interrupt. And this is where you can see how you might react and you're able to interrupt that pattern by saying to yourself, oh, yes, That's just me doing my whatever, doing my chicken little routine or doing my maverick routine or doing my whatever it is that you can play fun with that you do, right? You have fun with and can poke fun at yourself for doing this. So sometimes I'm Popeye, sometimes I'm Brutus, sometimes I'm whatever it is that you are, accept that, poke fun at it with humor. So when were you at your best in the past year? Question nine, what confidence gremlins have gotten in your way in the past year? These are limiting beliefs that hold you back. Those assumptions that tell you you're too old, you're too young, you're not smart enough, you're not young enough, you're not cute enough, you're not educated enough, you're not whatever enough, or I'm sick, there must be something wrong with me, I must be dying, or whatever it is that you're telling yourself. What exactly is that message that gets in the way? Many of my clients are struggling with, I'm too old, I'm not valued at work, I'm going to lose my home, I'll lose my job, nobody values me, why can't things be the same? Those thoughts and messages that play in your head, those are your confidence, Grandlins. Those are assumptions that you've adopted as beliefs, as if they're true. They are assumptions. And the reason why you want to know what they are is so that you can differentiate the truth from the assumption. I teach my clients a practice called the Pause Cafe. And that is where you use the acronym from Pause, P-A-U-S-E. P stands for pause and take a very deep breath. A is ask yourself, what's going on with me? What am I afraid of here? Am I afraid that I might lose my job? Am I afraid I might lose my relationship? Am I afraid I'm not valued here? Just uncover it. 
And then the U stands for untangle the difference between what is an assumption and what is a truth. It's an assumption that I'm going to lose my job. It's true that I'm feeling very threatened right now. And in that still space moment, the S in pause stands for say it out loud. I'm feeling threatened. It's true that I feel threatened, but it's an assumption that I'm going to lose my job. And the E in pause stands for extend yourself some empathy there. I've got this. This other person is just carrying their baggage and trying to put it on me. I don't have to take it, but I can feel empathy for them too. I can feel compassion for them too. They're just doing their best and I need to do my best in this moment. So when I think about my confidence, Kremlin usually shows up something related to health. You know, I've had some health challenges. I have degenerative disc disease. I have a steel rod in my neck from having a discectomy infusion of my neck. Uh, I have arthritis. So I usually go to, oh, I'm very, very chicken little, like, oh, the sky is falling. My health is failing. I'm going to die young. I mean, that is just nonsense. <laughs> but I do that. And I know that's my confidence, Gremlin. So when it shows up, I poke fun at it and say, yep, maybe I had to call the funeral home now uh, because I probably wanted to find my own funeral, which really I could care less. But I try and have fun with it because it is sort of funny when I think about it in that perspective. So know what your confidence gremlins are so that you can deal with them. Question number 10, what's the most useful thing that you've watched or listened to or read over the last year? Book, movie, series, documentary, etc. What's the most useful thing that you've taken in over the last year? I have my clients reading constantly. I will tell you the book that I'm reading right now is exceptional. It's called The Worry Trick. And I read a lot of things on anxiety and confidence and executive presence because that's what all of my clients are dealing with. I find this one exceptional um, and I would recommend it highly. But what have you watched listened to or read over the last year. And this is to help you realize, are you watching, listening, and reading things that are helpful to you or just entertaining? We only have so much time and so much disposable income. Are we using our time and resources on things that are helping us, things that are broadening us? I think it's great to watch entertainment. I watch an hour, maybe two at the most of television at the end of the day, usually an hour, and then I end up reading or uh, doing something else that I enjoy. But I take in my breadth of knowledge expansion through reading. That's what I do. I read a lot. People can, you can watch documentaries. Some people can watch that on Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, whatever streaming service that you use. But spend some time every day discovering more about you through the perspective of others who are on the same quest or on the same path or whom you admire. My clients watch TED Talks of people that they admire so that they can observe their executive presence, their body language, their eye contact, their hand movements. Very useful. Now we're going to move into what I call the ones. Okay. Question 11. What is one thing 
that you will commit to to make progress on in the coming year. The ones are moving you forward into accomplishing and achieving the things that you want for yourself spiritually, physically, professionally, mind, body, spirit. What is one thing that you will commit to in the coming year? And this is a learning goal, right? So you're going to read up or watch something on the internet or in some way meet with people who already have this quality. What is one learning goal that you will focus on? One of my clients right now is charged with being in charge of innovation for his organization. And he said to me recently, Mary Lee, I'm not sure how to do that. And I said, well, what are you reading that will help you get there? And he said, I don't know. I said, subscribe to cutting edge journals in your industry. And he admitted that he wasn't reading any of them. Surround yourself with books, people, material that are already exploring the things that you're charged to do. And that opened a door for him. So he committed himself to subscribing to these journals and learning more about what's going on in his industry. One thing that I'm committed to learning in the coming year, and I really had to think long and hard about this because I love to learn a lot of things. So I go out and just do that. If I want to learn to crochet, I watch videos until I can do it. If I want to learn to paint, I watch painting videos. And because I do a lot of painting, I do watercolor, and I've just started exploring with oils. And so uh, I don't really think a lot about what do I want to learn this year, because as soon as they want to learn something, I go out and teach myself how to do it. I've always been that way. But from a strategic perspective, I am in the process of, and those who are my clients have access to a version of it, of writing a book. It's The title of that book is teetering back and forth right now, um, but it's a, basically a book about the three things that I talk about, self-awareness, self-regulation, and self-acceptance and how to do those things. And so I would like to learn how to finally finish that book and publish that book uh, because I think I've been dragging my feet in doing that. So I think that's what I'm committed to learning over the next year. And we'll see. I'll let you know how that goes. Uh, But I am committed to learning that. Question 12 is, what is one habit I will commit to? That could be a daily practice of walking mindfully. That's not walking and regurgitating all the conversations that you've had from the day. That's walking and feeling the weight of your feet on the floor with every step from your heel to the ball of your feet to your toes with every step, observing in the moment the nature around you. That could be a practice of reading from a daily devotional every day, one page that inspires you. That could be prayer. It could be meditation. It could be drinking a full tall glass of water and observing the process of the water going down the back of your throat and into your belly and one swallow after another. 
These habits are to help keep you aware, mindfully, of staying in the moment so that you don't become a victim of runaway thoughts so that the thinker is in charge, not the thoughts. I have a number of habits that I do every morning and not the least of which is setting a daily intention. And an intention is nothing but a promise to yourself. I will blank, whatever that is. I will listen better today. I will be committed to watching what I eat today. That's an intention. It's a promise to yourself. Then I have three daily habits that I do every day. One is I do physical activity and yoga. So that's free weights and yoga every morning, five days a week. I also drink a very slow glass of water every morning. And I meditate every morning, even if it's just for a few minutes. But close my eyes, center myself, find the mind's eye, and I very much breathe deeply, follow my breathing, and then I investigate whatever is in the moment, being with a difficult emotion, anticipating something that I have to deal with that day. I often do uh, loving-kindness meditation, which is may I be well, May I be peaceful, may I be a thinker, may I be patient, and then I extend that to other people that I care about, may they be well, and then I extend it to people that I may be in conflict with, may they be well, may they be patient, may everyone be well, may they be learning, may they be patient. But those habits are not for the moment that you're doing them. They help you become more aware of your consciousness so that you can take more control over your thoughts when they start to run away. And it gives you a lot of power and a lot of grounding. Question 13. Who is one person that I will have a curious conversation with? in the coming year. One person who I will have a curious conversation with. And this usually ends up being with someone who you're at odds with, someone that you don't understand, someone that you want to understand better, someone that you want to be closer to. But it doesn't necessarily have to be someone that you're in conflict with. It could be someone that you just want to know more about, you want to become closer to, uh, you want to understand more about their way of thinking, someone that you admire. Whatever and whoever that is, the point of this is for you to learn and grow and open your heart and be like a sponge, absorbing in wisdom, grace, and self-acceptance. Now, when you think about having a curious conversation with someone, you have to accept that they may not be as open or as highly evolved or have as high a consciousness as you do. And you have to go into it without expectations because you're coming to it open and curious, but they may not be open and curious. So think about how you might proceed that conversation. You might say something to them like, you know, I really want to get to know you better and understand more about your background and maybe share more about mine so that we can complement each other and how we're working together. If it's an interpersonal relationship, your personal life, 
with someone you may be in conflict with, you might say to them, you know, I understand that we aren't seeing eye to eye right now. And I want to improve that by getting to know you better. And so can I ask you some questions about yourself that might help me understand you a little bit better? And therefore, the person doesn't have to feel that you're going to attack them, which sometimes can happen if you're having a curious conversation with somebody who's on edge or guarded. For me, I am moving and I want to have a curious conversation with my new neighbors. The house I'm living in now, I've not done that. I've been living in this house for 20 years and I have not made or taken the time to get to know the people around me, the way the street is set up. It's just not a uh, community where you drive in and uh, more like a subdivision. It's not like that. So it doesn't lend itself to that. And I haven't done anything about it to bring myself closer to my neighbors. I don't want that in my next house. When I go there, I'm going to have a curious conversation with the people that I live adjacent to and get to know them and... What am I going to ask them? Just tell me a little bit about yourself. How long have you lived here? What do you like best about the neighborhood? What do you think I should know about the neighborhood? Um, Is there anything I can do for you? I'm always there. Here's my number. You can call me. That's how I'm going to frame the conversation. But it's going to take some effort because how am I going to do that? Am I going to knock on doors? Am I going to leave a note in their mailbox? Um, I personally think that I will knock on doors on a weekend, on a Saturday afternoon. I probably will do that. It will catch people off guard. Um, and if they seem receptive, I'll invite them over for coffee and get to know them a little bit better. But I really want to make friends with and get to know the people I'm living around. Now, keep in mind, I wouldn't have intended to do this if I didn't go through these series of questions and ask myself these things. Question number 14 of the ones. What is one way I will support someone else? This is setting an intention to be there for someone, maybe that you've been judging, maybe not been judging, somebody that you want to be closer to, what is one way I will support someone else? So here's how I'm thinking about that in my own life. I have people that report to me um, in my profession, and I just adore these people. It's the best team I've ever had. But I've noticed recently that they've been asking me questions that are more coaching questions, more career advice questions. And since they're looking for that information and opening the door, I want to be there to support them for that. So I've been having regular conversations with them about how to conduct themselves in certain situations. So this isn't so much practically what we're dealing with in the moment, but they're asking me questions for their own careers. How would they deal with this? What would you do? And I love that because we have that open communication such that I can provide support to them in ways that doesn't really deal with what they're dealing with right now in the office. It has to do with 
what they are going to anticipate will happen in the future. So I want to continue to keep that door open and I find myself lacing in executive presence advice, comments, them taking notes. Um, I've sent this list of questions to them. In your own careers, you might want to think about this. This is really helpful. Thank you. So I'm taking a more active role in being a role model as a coach for them than as their leader, because they know I do this and they're seeking the advice and I want to provide it for them. And the last question, question 15 of the year in review, is what is one mistake I won't make? This question puts you on guard, makes you look at what am I doing now that I don't want to do in the future? It's another way of saying to yourself, what do I want to watch out for? What do I want to be aware of? What do I want to be cognizant of? And this could be in a positive, not in a negative way. So you might remember that you handled a situation in a certain way such that you didn't lose your cool. You want to be aware of how you did that, why you did it, and be able to execute those same strengths and skills again. But you have to know what they are. That's why you reflect in the still space on what they are. So what is one way you will not make a mistake again in the future? Could be positive, could be addressing something that you did that you regret. One mistake I will not make again in the future is bringing up family matters to one of my children who doesn't like it. Another mistake I will not make again is recommending people based on what I think their skill set is and not their character. I find that you should hire for character. You can teach skill set, but if somebody has the right heart, the right soul, the mind will come along. You can teach the skill, but, uh, and I'm not talking about just, I'm not talking about people just that you hire in your office. I'm more talking about people that you recommend for things where their lack of sound character might come back to actually harm the organization, harm the situation, harm the initiative that you're working on uh, because their heart isn't in the right place. So that's a mistake I don't want to make in the future. So in closing, I will say to you that these questions, while they are time-consuming, maybe tedious to come up with the answers on, even difficult, it takes you into the dark corners of places where you haven't really ferreted out what needs to be swept away, what needs to be uncovered, opportunities that are lying there that you just haven't seen. So wishing you moments in the still space today to do these reflections because you are worth it. And don't forget to go to the show notes because there's a link there to a document that is much more extensive than the questions we went through today that will help you do more of this discovery. I'm glad you were with me today and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me.